somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way. Chewy, we're home. What's up, everybody? Josiah Leroy here for thegeekiverse.com. Welcome to Walking Carpet, the Geekiverse's all Star Wars talk show. I am flying solo on this one, and you know what? It's okay. I'm clean-shaven. I'm feeling ready to go here. Uh, pretty excited about this month's episode. Um, possibly a little bit shorter than what you're used to, but uh, we'll be sure to have a high amount of quality regardless. It's Halloween, October 31st, 2018. We're going to talk about a few different things. Uh so I was trying to think about the topic of what I wanted it to be, seeing that this episode landed directly right on Halloween. Uh, and what I was thinking was I would go through uh, some of the more intense, kind of scary, slash darker moments in Star Wars history. Now, specifically pertaining to the movies, because you can get into some of the lore, whether that's the books, the comics, uh, definitely the Clone Wars animated series had some darker moments. But I'm going to strictly just keep it to the the nine movies and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. But what I narrowed it down to, uh, I settled on kind of the, the eight darkest moments in, in Star Wars history. For the sake of this, I, I didn't include anything from Rogue One. And in fact, it's really only a handful of movies here. Uh, there's nothing from Episode One. There's, there's very little from the original trilogy. You'll see why as I get into my list. But uh, I, I think it's it's debatable for sure, and and I'm sure you could sell me on more, and I could sell you on a few other points. Uh, but regardless, we're looking forward to today's episode. So you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Josiah D. Leroy, and uh, I'm always talking about something geeky, and and usually lately that's hockey. Uh, how about the Buffalo Sabers, by the way? They uh, they are off to a pretty good start, and for us, you know, being just in the conversation is good after what we've been through in the last really really tough. Uh, five years, three last place finishes in five years, the suffering, the this, the that. It, I'm glad that it's over. So go Buffalo Sabres. Hopefully uh, they produce another win, uh, another few wins actually with a pretty good schedule this week. So I'm going to go light on the news, really not talk about too much with the news regarding Star Wars for the last few weeks. Uh, Resistance just debuted the animated series on Disney XD, so you can go check that out. And um, so far, very positive reviews for that overall. Uh, let's see here. We're going to jump into uh, this moment in, in Star Wars history. So October 31st, 2002. Uh, I absolutely adore it. Uh, in the scheme of the prequel trilogy, in relation to the other episodes, I, I loved Attack of the Clones. I know that's going to be crazy. I, I know that's going to be scrutinized, and most people despised Attack of the Clones, even to the extent that it was worse than Phantom Menace for a lot of people. But I uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um like I said, in relation to the other two episodes in that trilogy. However, uh, may maybe it just came out at a good time. I was 11 when it originally debuted. But uh, this fact from StarWars.com, Episode 2 returns to theaters as an IMAX experience on October 31st, 2002. The digital image is enhanced through an IMAX process to fill an eight-story screen, and the sound is amped up to 12,000 watts of uncompressed signal. Now... This is as IMAX was really kind of coming into, into its own. And I want to say this was the first Star Wars in IMAX. I don't recall Phantom Menace being there. Very well could be wrong on that. Again, I was only eight. But for uh, Attack of the Clones, I went to this. My family went. So Jamie, my sister, my parents, uh, Adam Bardall, one of my best friends, he went with me there. 
uh, it was funny. I remember in the theater beforehand, there was a local radio station that was giving out prizes for answering trivia questions. And, of course, being the Star Wars guru I was as a kid, I uh, had to raise my hand, and I, I got to answer a question. Uh, and the, I believe the question was, what creature does Luke uh, defeat? What creature does Luke defeat in a cave on Hoth? And uh, the answer was a wampa. So I got like this collectible set of Star Wars Pogs. Do you remember Pogs? You know, kids nowadays are probably not going to remember them, but man, uh, they've I've got them floating around somewhere. They were kind of cool. Uh, obviously, not as uh, not as visible in the market as they used to be, but they are still out there. So I won that. That was exciting. One of my favorite parts about this experience, and StarWars.com has the picture posted, uh, is the IMAX picture that is a picture of Yoda that, who is just massive. And it says in big letters, size matters not, except on an IMAX screen. Attack of the Clones, the IMAX experience. I love that poster. I remember seeing it in the movie theaters, getting ready for this movie, getting excited to see it. I, I want to say I saw it three or four times in theaters. And uh, it was just it was just a true blast. Now, 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 I know what you're thinking. I saw Attack of the Clones four times in theaters. That's kind of crazy. Uh, our good friend David Duncan of Synthaholics, uh, the all-Star Trek podcast that you can find right on iTunes and wherever you download podcasts. He saw Phantom Menace eight times in theaters. So, hey, folks, I'm not, I'm not that crazy. Uh, David, you know, I, I, I appreciate you going and seeing Star Wars so much, <laughs> especially as a, as a Star Trek fan. So uh, let, uh, let me know. I'd, I'd love your interaction on Twitter, on, on social media. Give me some comments uh, for whatever you're hearing throughout the episode here in relation to what I'm saying. Uh, did you go to see Attack of the Clones in theaters? How many times did you see it? Odds are if you're listening to this show, you saw it at least once. And were you able to see it in IMAX? Uh, now, for the, uh, let's see here, the fun fact of the episode is George Lucas, if you don't recall, because we're going to be talking about Revenge of the Sith quite a bit today, was actually in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. He made a cameo as Baron Papanoida. Uh, he's kind of like a blue alien that you see right outside the Senate chambers. I believe it's right before Anakin runs in, or actually it might be... I'm trying to think back. Uh, This could have been actually outside the opera, right when Anakin goes to meet Palpatine and Palpatine tells him the story about midichlorians, essentially, uh, you know, conducting life, all this, the fun stuff, that controversial facts that Star Wars fans love. But anyway, he played the Baron. The Baron also was in the Clone Wars. There was an episode surrounding the Baron, and he... Uh, was not voiced by George Lucas. He was credited somewhere else. But I always thought that that was a fun fun little tidbit. Um, George Lucas's son also is in Star Wars Episode Three, but I might want to save that as um, kind of a fun fact for a, a future episode. So in getting to today's major topic that I wanted to go through, I thought it was kind of a fun topic. Love to have some debate with this on social media. So hit us up at facebook.com slash thegeekiverse and on our Twitter, which is at the underscore geekiverse. I'd love to hear from you or on my personal Twitter at Josiah D. Leroy. Uh, but we'll probably turn this into a written article at some point. Also, uh, the eight darkest moments in Star Wars history. Now, this specifically, like I said earlier, pertains just to the movies. Uh, I didn't include anything from Rogue One. There's probably some moments that I should or could have included in there. But um, going off of real 
in a relatively short period of time, this was the top, uh, off the top of my head, you can see some of the information um, that I'm maybe leaving out and some that I'm including would uh, vary depending on what your list looks like. But I'd love to compare. I'll give you my reasoning as I kind of go down, but I'll start with number eight, uh, getting down to number one, which is the darkest moment, I think, in Star Wars history. Uh, but first off, uh, for number eight, I'm going to list Han Solo being frozen in carbonite. So this was obviously in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And uh, I. it's hard to pick one moment from that movie because I feel like it was the darkest in the, the whole saga to date. And it's tough to kind of pinpoint one specific moment that felt the darkest. I You know, I think back on, on Luke and Vader's fight and Luke losing his hand, Vader revealing that he is Luke's dad. And I don't know... Maybe it's just because it's it's been around for nearly 40 years now, but it's tough to peg. I feel like Han being put into carbonite by Darth Vader and Boba Fett on Cloud City just is the darkest moment, and it encapsulates the intensity that we kind of feel in the movie. And I think that's why Empire Strikes Back is considered by many the greatest movie of all time, if not the greatest, just the greatest Star Wars film. It's because of the intensity, the over... kind of the... not the overwhelming but a little bit of the the intensity that you feel throughout the movie where the the good guys are always on the run it doesn't feel like there's any any good scenario that's possibly going to come from it but they don't beat your head in with it either it's not just darkness beyond darkness uh even though at the end of the movie it feels like the rebels are kind of left in they're a mess to be frank they're they're where are they going to go from there obviously you know by today's cinema standards where there's no there's really no movie in terms of geek, geekdom, like a Star Wars movie, S- Star Trek, some of our superhero movies, they all end really on a on a positive note, whether that's through an arc or for a given movie. But Empire Strikes Back was a little bit different in that case. Uh, and obviously we see where things went with Return of the Jedi, but there was just masterful storytelling and direction by George Lucas. So I'm going to list number eight as Han being frozen in carbonite as... Uh, as the darkest moment of that movie. Number seven on the list, I've got Luke zapped by Emperor Palpatine. So essentially, uh, so towards the end of Return of the Jedi, Palpatine is killing Luke. He, he's he's on the fritz. He's got him on the run. Vader's not doing anything to help him out. Uh, Palpatine's truly showing him what the, the dark side can be and how scary it can be. And Vader standing by not helping. Now, I think this falls under the most intense category because Luke's screaming, Luke's uh, you know begging for his dad. Now, it ends up being a, an incredible moment of redemption for Darth Vader, obviously turning back into Anakin Skywalker shortly after, saving his son, telling the Emperor, enough's enough. You've had, you've had my life for the last few decades here. I've been a slave to you. I'm breaking those bonds. I'm not going to be a slave to you and the dark side anymore. It's an incredibly uplifting moment, but for the time being, in that small space when Luke is on the ground, really on the run. That's it for me. I think that's the the darkest moment of that movie. Uh, It's not like there was a ton of darkness overall in Return of the Jedi, but overall that was, uh, you know, definitely some scary times there. Number six, I'm going to actually go to, uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, and when Starkiller Base uh, destroyed the the Republic, including the the mul- multiple planets that supported the Republic, just decimating its fleet and and putting it completely on the run. Um, 
Now, Alderan in episode four is probably a pretty um, a pretty close. It's an honorable mention, we'll say. However, there's something so somber about the fact that Starkiller Base just took out all these systems without warning, without cause, without even having to be near those star systems. And it just, it's so emotional. And if you read Star Wars, the, the Force Awakens novelization, there's a, there's a really sad note where Princess or General Leia's aide kind of goes to the Senate hearing or the Senate meeting in place of General Leia. Had Leia gone, obviously she would have, she would have died in the explosion for the, the planet being destroyed. But it's kind of sad to think someone went on her behalf there. So that that's another thing, another little caveat that the book does so well that you don't just get in the movie. Uh, this this young woman is pictured in the movie. Uh, you'll see her. She kind of turns as you see the people screaming just before the laser hits the planet. Now I thought they did this in a in a way that was really emotional and really intense. The score by John Williams that is underlying is the absolute perfect tone in terms of capturing exactly what was going on. It's a lot like the music we hear, uh, which I'll bring on in my next point, actually. You know what? I'm going to just dive into it right now and tie them together. This is point number five. I think Han Solo's death in Force Awakens is is the fifth darkest moment in Star Wars history. I think uh, the way John Williams plays that music where everything just gets silent uh, we've got the strings playing up to a little bit higher intensity, and then all of a sudden they they die down as everyone's basically they were holding their breath and then they release it. I feel like in both cases, in Starkiller Base and in in Han Solo's death, the moment is truly captured because of John Williams' ability to cater to the moment and not only do that, but actually rather take control of it in terms of how deep we feel it in, in emotion. Um, I know Richard Dreyfus was at uh, Nicholas City Con earlier this year. Pete Heard, the Geekiverse, was able to sit down with him and and host his panel. And I thought, uh, you know, so he mentioned at one point that basically a movie, so visuals were the most powerful, uh, the powerful of the senses when it came to taking your mind off of something, being able to grip someone's attention. I totally disagree with that. I think that music above all, even just the the certain tones, certain sounds, is vastly more powerful than what you you can see in a movie in terms of taking someone away to an emotional place. I think you hear a certain song, it reminds you of a good or a bad time, no matter how old that song might be. 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you name it. A movie could have the same effect, but there's so much more going on in the movie. There's so many elements to a movie. There's visual, there's audio. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is that that there's a lot to distract you. Where a certain song, a certain tune can really capture your mood and have a hold on it. I always, uh, I always tell this story. There's a, a, a song, an album actually, by A Day to Remember. Uh, homesick, so I believe that was 2009. That had uh, come out during a particularly tough time in my life. Nothing tragic, but it, it was just not a good time in my life. And it was a, a period of maybe five, six months where I was going through this funk. Anytime I heard those songs, I just felt depressed, even in the the years after. 
Um, I decided enough was enough. I was going to break that hold. And I got some good news last year in the form of uh, my wife and I finding out that we were going to have a baby girl named Daisy. We actually just at the time knew it was going to be a baby, but eventually she would be. we found out she was a girl and named Daisy, named her Daisy. But what I'm trying to say is as soon as we found that news on the way home from the doctor, I, I played that album and I kind of reversed the curse, if you will. And I think that that's so important. I think you can do that. I think you can overpower it with your mind, even though it's super tough to do so at different times. So that's kind of where I'm coming through with Starkiller Bass and Han's death. I think both of those were played up so so well. And there's so much going on in, in the Han death scene. Um, it kind of took me by surprise a little bit. I didn't know what Kylo Ren was going to do there. I mean, you can read the the writing on the wall in a way, but is, is he going to finish the job? Is he going to really do that to his dad? Uh, I thought it was one of the, the finer moments in, in the newer Star Wars movies since Disney has taken over. And it just added so much depth and, and layers to the character that is Ben Solo. Uh, moving on to number four. So basically after this, it's uh, it's actually, uh, it's all, all Anakin uh, in some way, shape, or form. And I think this is the way Lucas intended it. Uh, he always, you see in different interviews, in, in commentary that he looks at Star Wars as the tragedy of Darth Vader. And I, I agree. I, I think that's what it is uh, in the scheme of things. If you look at the first six movies especially, it's kind of Vader's story arc from beginning to end. Episode one all the way through six when Vader is redeemed. But number four here on my list, uh, Anakin finding his mother in the Tusken Raider camp on Tatooine. Uh, even when I was 11 years old, I remember just how that was a, a relatively scary moment. Um, you know, she's tied up in this in this hut. She's been beaten almost to death. She's just holding on so she can see her son. What an emotional moment. We know Anakin's already struggling. This just made it ten times worse, seeing her in the shape that she was in. Uh, it's a dark moment. You see what happens uh, to her. She passes away. And uh, uh, Pernelia August played... Shmi Skywalker, Anakin's mob. She did a great job there. Really getting into the... Uh, this was a common complaint in the the trilogy. That is the prequel trilogy. Where the direction for the actors was lacking. I don't feel like that was the case here. Or maybe she just took over and, and killed it. No pun intended. She, leaning back, you know, being barely able to speak, calling out to him having her head back and her eyes open as she she breathed her last breath was a very emotional experience, not just for the audience, but, you know, imagine what Anakin is feeling there. All those emotions, I, I think that that was one of the biggest pivotal moments in Anakin's descent, eventual descent to the dark side. Absolutely brutal moments. I think that was as one of the darkest moments that I, I can ever remember in any of the, the Star Wars uh, movies, the books, the lore, the comics, you name it. Number three, oh, man, this one's tough. Uh, Order 66, but rather the execution of Order 66 in Revenge of the Sith. So when Palpatine says, you know, you, you see basically all the images of him talking to the clone troopers to execute Order 66, to slaughter the Jedi. It's just so intense. It's so emotional. It's so sad. Keanu Munde is maybe the worst one. When he's running into battle, all of a sudden he turns around and sees that his clone troopers are not with him. Probably his battalion that he's fought with for the last three years. 
and probably even in in the Clone Wars animated series. It's just so upsetting. It's it's so dark. It's so sad. Uh, seeing Plo Koon's ship go down is uh, the the whole thing wrapped up together is just tragic. It, even on uh, Felucia, you see the the death there. It's like you know it shows how how the Jedi had been had by Palpatine. And again, John Williams beautifully captures the moment like no one else can. And uh, we, we see the full effects of Order 66 as uh, as we go on in time. Uh, whether that's through, again, the different Star Wars lore. And then le- next year, we're supposed to get a video game called um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I don't feel like that's going to come out on time. I know they're going to try to probably rush it in 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 a way to get it done for Star Wars Episode Nine, which is December of 2019, but I, I hope they take their time with it. Um, it's taking place between Episodes 3 and 4. You play a character that wields a lightsaber. This is from the studio that made Titanfall and Titanfall 2 Respawn Entertainment. Um, if you're into video games, I'm going to plug my other show that I host regularly here at the Geekiverse. Uh, that is Geeks Got Game. You can check that out right at our website. You can search Geeks Got Game. You can search it on iTunes, find any episode there. Uh, we all we talk about all the latest in the world of video games. Uh, if that indeed does come out next year, that'll be one of my most anticipated games. Uh, speaking of news, I guess I, I probably... Should have brought this up earlier, and we're talking about Episode 3. But General Grievous is a playable character in Star Wars Battlefront 2 this week. It's free DLC. The, the Clone Wars season has begun. Uh, you can check that out right online. We'll have a, a link to it in the article at thegeekiverse.com. But that's kind of cool. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Uh, probably a big update. So if you're playing an Xbox or PlayStation, uh, get it updating while you're listening here to Walking Carpet. Number two, I know you're probably shocked that I'm not listing this as my number one, but Anakin killing the younglings. If for no other reason we don't see anything, and thank goodness we don't see it, oh my goodness, can you imagine? But uh, Anakin walking into the room in Revenge of the Sith in the Jedi Council Chambers, the the youngling looking up to Anakin saying, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? And when Anakin turns on the lightsaber, uh, that that child that played the speaking part there he legitimately flinched. Uh, that was not originally written into the script. And I thought that was a brilliant piece of acting there by the, the youngster. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know the, the young actor's name. But I uh, came to learn through the commentary of Revenge of the Sith that that was something that was uh, improved by the youngster. So Anakin killing the younglings, it's as dark as it gets in terms of how far a person, I think, can fall into the dark side. Anakin so twisted, so gone, so Darth Vader at this point. He goes and just kills all these younglings without even a thought. And, it, you know, he's on Mustafar, and you can you can kind of tell he's he's at least struggling internally with conflict. But at the same time, there's no excuse for ever doing something like that. Uh, I mean, that is uh, not much else to say about it. It's as dark as it gets. Except I am for number one. Choosing a, a mix of darkness and intensity. I think they did a great job with it. They didn't hold back. It's funny, this is the first Star Wars that was rated PG-13. The five previous movies had been PG. And it's all because of this. Uh, Anakin uh, basically burning up 
on Mustafar. This was something we had heard about years ago, kind of in the, the Star Wars lore before the prequels came out, that Anakin and Obi-Wan had always, they had been dueling near a lava pit. Anakin had fallen in. George Lucas ended up making it a lava planet, uh, which we again see in Rogue One, and that is one of the best moments in Rogue One. And with Vader, or Anakin, I guess, you know, however you want to look at it, when he doesn't beat Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan's got the high ground and Anakin falls down, that moment there with Anakin screaming out that he hates him, you can see it on his face, not just the pain physically from catching on fire, basically losing his limbs, but the emotional pain with Obi-Wan saying that he loved him, that he was like a brother, that he was the chosen one. I think it was just a masterful job from Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. They really captured the essence of that scene, and they had to nail it. They had to get it right, because everything in the prequels was building up to this point. Everything. And I think uh, I think that's the, the most intense moment. That's the darkest moment saw or didn't see with uh, the younglings being slaughtered by Anakin. So there you have it. There's my list. Uh, we, we could talk about some other moments. There's definitely some honorable mentions. You know, Qui-Gon getting killed in, in The Phantom Menace comes to mind, but the ramifications overall to the Star Wars universe are, are not huge. Um, you could probably pick a number of moments from Rogue One. And it was kind of like Empire Strikes Back to me, where there were a number of sequences that built up to make the movie more intense and dark, as opposed to maybe one singular moment. But Revenge of the Sith just keeps pounding you left and right. The second half of the movie is dark, 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 dark. Um, even earlier in the movie, you know, Anakin kills Count Dooku. That is looked at as heavy foreshadowing. Uh, there's a lot going on there. George Lucas did a really good job with it. Um, I, I was always a fan of his, his work when it came to the prequels. And uh, there's definitely some stuff to complain about. But overall, I feel like uh, they don't always get a fair shake. So that's my list. I want to hear what you have to say about it. Give me what some uh, some moments I might have missed could be. You can comment right on our uh, our links right on Facebook and Twitter. Love to hear from you there. We're going to wrap things up. Like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter show. Um, hope you are enjoying your Halloween. Make sure uh, to get some candy out there. Don't go too crazy on the sugar high. Uh, send us some pictures right through our Facebook uh, and uh, tag us on Twitter as well of your Star Wars outfits. We want to see uh, some of the best there and we'll we'll pass those on. Also, uh, you can find me, like I said, on Twitter, at Josiah D. Leroy. Uh, I would be happy to talk to you about Star Wars and anything in the world of geek or hockey, if you uh, you so choose. But uh, there's lots going on at thegeekiverse.com right now as we get into November. Uh, we'll have a lot of shopping guides, a lot of technology guides to get you ready for the holidays there and make sure that you're in the know when it comes to everything uh, for your gift uh, gift-buying needs. Uh, we... Would be remiss if we did not mention our wonderful partners over at Fantastic. That's F-A-N-T-E-E-S-T-I-C. Del Reed, the owner of 26 Shirts, started a company called Fantastic last year. It's a new brand of t-shirts. Each week there's a geek-themed t-shirt that releases. And the Geekiverse is proud to partner up with Fantastic. Go to 26shirts.com slash Fantastic. And at checkout... Use the code GEEK10, that's G-E-E-K-T-E-N, to get 10% off of your order. Proceeds from every order go to a family in need or a charity. 
Those will be listed on the page every week, and you got to hurry. Each shirt is available only for one week. So proud sponsor of Fantastic. there. You can check them out. Again, that's 26shirts.com slash Fantastic. If you are so inclined, we would adore if you could help us out. Go to patreon.com slash thegeekiverse. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash thegeekiverse. If you are able, there are different subscription models that we have there that offer exclusive perks to you, the listener. For as little as $1 a month, you can subscribe to the Geekiverse, and as much as $25 a month, which has some crazy good perks if you ask me. Uh, as Mr. Pavlock, Jeff Pavlock, my good friend, always says, those will help us keep the lights on. So go check that out. If you're able to spare a dollar a month, we'd it goes very far for us. It helps us to bring you content that we love to bring. Wrapping up this episode of Walking Carpet, we're going to continue on with JoJo's Jukebox. So up this week is a song submitted by the Geekiverse community. This one from Robo Rock. You can find him uh, if you search just on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash roborock, R-O-B-O-R-O-C. They submitted their song, Ocean of Time. Um, and actually, forgive me, we're going to do the song uh, he submitted too. So we're going to come back to o- <laughs> Ocean of Time in a later episode. On this episode, we're going to do All My Friends featuring Brittany Valdez. Uh, it's very electronica, very video game. You can check him out, like I said, on SoundCloud. You can also purchase the music through Amazon or stream it through Spotify or Apple Music. So this has been Walking Carpet, Halloween 2018. I'm Josiah Leroy. Thanks again for tuning in. Here is Roborock.
Thank you.